preaching this morning in the precious name of Jesus. This message this morning is just a slight deviation from my uh, series of uh, the Sea of Life, ships on the Sea of Life. There are some other ships I like to look at yet. There's, uh, and actually I will, in my message this morning, I will, uh, if you want to uh, look for them, there are two of them other ships that I want to talk about, uh, worship and friendship. There's citizenship, there's uh, stewardship, there's headship. Those are all the ships that relate to us in our living the Christian life. This morning is just a slight deviation from that, and the message I'd like to share with you is, if you remember what I talked about the last time, was the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And in that message, I gave you ten reasons why, uh, what qualified Jesus to be Lord of our lives as believers and followers of Him. And uh, this morning, I'd like you to think with me the price, the cost, of not allowing Jesus to be Lord of our lives. Um, we have it recorded in the scripture. It's, it's a negative sermon somewhat, but yet I, it's there, and I, I like to contrast it with the sermon I preached the other Sunday. The price of, of not allowing Jesus to be Lord of our lives, and it's not a very pleasant picture, but we do have recorded in the scripture of those experiences. And uh, this morning I want to look at the uh, one of Jesus, very close, uh, one of Jesus' disciples, one of the twelve. And uh, I guess I thought about that as, as uh, Tony Zook mentioned that the other Sunday. Uh, in regards to that, you know, the fact that Jesus, knowing all things and his omniscience, uh, selected Judas as one of his twelve. <clears throat> I'd like to look first of all at, at the, as we think of the price of betrayal and denial, particularly as it relates to Judas's experience with our Lord. And uh, look at that title, Price. You know, price is something we, we all understand. You know, it, it's what gets us in the back pocket when we go shopping. And the uh, story is told of an old farmer whose uh, hearing was uh, declining. And uh, his friends, his wife, children told him, he said, you really need to do something about that hearing issue. And so he stopped by the uh, audiologist. Is that what they're called? And uh, he confirmed the fact that indeed he did need hearing aids. And uh, so, of course, the first thing, farmer's always concerned about price. He said, well, what's the cost? What's it going to take out of my back pocket? And uh, the audiologist said, well, they range anywhere from $2 to $2,000. And always a good farmer that he was, he said, well, let's start with the $2 model. And so the audiologist brought it out, and uh, he uh, showed it to him. And it was a little plug that he put in his ear, a little cable came down through. And uh, so he put it in, and... He said, well, how does it work? He asked the audiologist, how does it work? And uh, he said, well, really, it doesn't. He said, it really doesn't work. He said, just people see that in your ear and that little wire, and they start talking louder automatically. And uh, so, uh, you know, price is something that we understand. And, uh, but, you know, do we understand price when we think of it in relation to um, spiritual things, especially as we think of it in relation to not allowing Jesus to be Lord of my life. We, we tend to measure things in black and white. We tend to measure things in numbers. Uh, you know, we, we, we come to the end of the year and we, we tabulate our uh, profit and loss statement out and we, we look at that and, and you know, it's, it tells us something. And we look at those numbers and we tend, to tar- we, tend to, we tend to carry some of that thinking over into the spiritual realm. 
and I, I, there's a caution that I want to, uh, that I hope we can see as we look at, as we go through the sermon this morning, that, you know, everything isn't in numbers in black and white. And uh, in some ways I, I feel, uh, how can you say it, I, uh, you know, as church treasurer, as treasurer of Maranatha Bible School, I, I feel a certain uh, uh, connection with Judas. He was the treasurer of the twelve disciples. And, uh, you know, so in a certain sense there's uh, a connection that I have as I think that I, 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 I do not want to emulate his, his love for that bag and purse that he carried. But thinking about price, Webster says this, the sum or the amount of money or its equivalent for which something is brought or sold, that which must be given, done or undergone in order to obtain something. Okay, we understand that. That's very straightforward. Thinking about the idea of betrayal, as, as Judas betrayed, the price of betrayal, what did it actually cost him? Thinking of betrayal, it's one who delivers to an enemy by treachery, abandonment, disclosure, or to reveal. And then you think of denial, uh, and that's something that we, that's a word we use regularly. Uh, we, we deny things. But as we think of it in relation to our, our message here this morning, uh, Webster said this, he said, to declare not to be true, reject, to refuse, or to recognize. And that was certainly very true in relation to Judas's response to uh, Jesus as being Lord of his life and being Lord of all. Now we need to realize, as we, as we look at this message this morning, whether we give Jesus rightful place of lordship in our lives this morning, he still is Lord. He will be Lord, and he is Lord. We do not necessarily have to give him that place. He never forces that on us. But we need to understand there is a price that goes along with that, uh, taking that position. Turning your Bibles to the uh, Gospel of Mark, I'd like to read a number of verses there. Mark 14. <coughs> Mark 14, beginning at verse 1. This is uh, breaking into the life and ministry of Jesus and uh, at the, near the conclusion of his earthly ministry. And uh, the uh, verse 1 of chapter 14 of Mark. After two days was the feast of the Passover, and of unleavened bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. But they said, Not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikered, very precious, and she brake the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than three hundred pence, and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done that what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall, the spoke, shall be spoken of her for a memorial. Spoken of for a memorial of her. And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priests to betray him unto them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought how he might conveniently betray him. And the first day of the unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, Where wilt thou that we go, and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? And he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and saith unto them, Go ye into the city, and there you shall meet 
There shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wheresoever he shall go in, say ye to the good man of the house, The master saith, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and prepared. There make ye ready for us. And his disciples went forth and came into the city and found as he had said and said unto them. And they made ready the Passover. And in the evening he cometh with the twelve. And as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, One of you which eateth with me shall betray me. And they began to be sorrowful and to say unto one, unto him one by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? And he answered and said unto them, it is one of the twelve that dippeth with me in the dish. And the Son of Man indeed goeth as it is written to, of him. But woe to that by whom but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Good were it for that man if he had never been born. And as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed and brake it and gave to them, and said, Take eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung in him, they went out into the Mount of Olives, and Jesus saith unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. But after, they, after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will I not? And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the, crop, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he spake the more vehemently, If I would, should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he saith to his disciples, Sit ye here while I pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and began to be sore amazed, and to be very heavy. And he saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the arm might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what, but what thou wilt. And he cometh and find them sleeping and saith unto Peter, Simon, Peter, Simon, sleepeth thou? Couldst not thou watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed and spake the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Neither wist they what to answer him. And he cometh a third time and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. It is enough, the hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise up, let us go. Lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. And immediately while he yet spake, cometh Judas, one of the twelve, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and scribes and elders. And he that betrayeth, and he that betrayed him had given them a token, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Take him and lead him away safely. And as soon as he was come, he goeth straightway to him and saith, Master, Master, and kissed him. And they laid their hands on him and took him. And one of them that stood by drew a sword and smote a servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Are ye come out as against a thief with staves, with swords and with staves to take me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and ye took me not. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. And they forsook him and fled. And I'll stop reading there. A number of things I'd like to look at as we look at the, uh, the price and the betrayal and denial of Judas in not allowing Jesus to be Lord of his life. I'd like to first of all look at his, his name. And I don't know if you remember back when I talked about the disciples' names. I went through, a number of years back, I went through all of the disciples' 
and looked at their lives and, and their involvement with Jesus. And uh, Judas is actually uh, one of the twelve. Uh, his name is a form of Judah, and it means Jehovah leads. And I would imagine as he was born as a child that his, perhaps his parents had, had noble goals and ambition that indeed he would be effectively used in, in God's kingdom. His surname, Iscariot, very likely signifies the region of uh, Judea from which he came. And it means man of Kiroth, a humble little town in the south of Judea. And he is actually the only one of the twelve disciples that was not from the Galilean area. He was not a Galilean, but he was from uh, Judea. And uh, so I think that was interesting. There is some truth that is in his name, I believe. And uh, as I think about, I, I want to pick out seven cloths that Judas was not willing to reconcile with as giving Jesus Lord of his life. And that first one here is in, that involves his name. It's a price. You know, he traded the opportunity to be made an insider with Jesus Christ and with the kingdom work uh, from that of being... Uh, for that of being remaining an outsider. So he was, his name, he was an outsider, but yet Jesus would have and could have included him as an insider. And uh, all of us really are outsiders, regardless of, uh, of our name. And uh, we become insiders when we become part of the family of God. That's really what makes the difference. It doesn't matter so much where we came from, uh, but where and what direction we're going. And whether we have acknowledged Jesus as Lord of my life. And that's a question I need to answer this morning. Is Jesus indeed Lord of my life? Jesus, as a good shepherd, I believe, wants to bring all into his fold. And uh, he specializes, Jesus specializes in finding. We have the parable of the ninety and nine uh, sheep and that one that went astray. Jesus specializes in finding stray or black sheep. Uh, being part of God's family is really all that matters. Uh, that's the most important family connection we need to maintain. Judas, the price that he calculated out. He was an outsider. And it's interesting to note that as we read through the scriptures, never do we notice any type of animosity, any type of uh, ostracization of the other Galileans toward Judas. We don't have that recorded. And I would be of the opinion that there wasn't. I believe as they, uh, matter of fact, there was probably sometimes more fraction between the Galilean apostles than there was between Judas. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Judas had that calculation in his mind. He was an outsider. He had that opportunity to be brought as an insider into the fold of Jesus Christ, and he rejected that and was not willing to, to do that. The second uh, thing I want to think about is his call, and we actually don't have a lot of detail about Judas's call compared to some of the other disciples. Uh, not exactly sure what his uh, his background was. His father's name, I think, was Simon. Is is one thing we're told about, but uh, so we're not given a lot of a lot of details. But we do know that it seems that he was with Jesus from the beginning, from the beginning of the twelve. When we see have the list there in Luke chapter six, thirteen to sixteen verses. 13 to 60, we find his name there listed with the 12, seemingly from the very beginning. So Judas heard the call of Jesus. And uh, I want us, as we go through this message this morning, we need to ask ourselves, okay, so we have a name. What are we doing with that name? We have heard the call. 
What are we doing with that call? Okay, I want to personalize this. Uh, uh, Judas here started out right, but he didn't end right. Ended very, very wrongly, very tragically. Um, The price that, that Judas calculated out, he heard the call. He gave his life, but he never really gave his heart. He gave his life in service to following Jesus for three years. But when it came down to giving Jesus his heart, his complete innermost being, so that he could be effectively used as a disciple of Jesus Christ, there is where it stopped. Judas had drawn the line, and we sing that song song sometimes. There's a line that is drawn. You know, have you counted the cost? And he had drawn that line, and he was not willing to, to yield up his heart's affection to the cause of Jesus Christ. Well, unfortunately, Jesus is a heart specialist. He is. And he knows what we need inside. And uh, that's where he can actually work best. When we open up our lives, when we open up our, our innermost being to him and reveal to him the needs of our hearts and lives, Jesus can then effectively work and correct those problems. I had to think about the teachings that Jesus, that Judas rather very heard from Jesus in first, first-hand basis. Not through anybody else, but first-hand basis. And I don't know, if, it shouldn't make it any difference whether we hear it from the Word, written in a Word, or whether we hear it from the, ver, the uh, verbatim from the mouth of Jesus or not. But I had to think about that, all the teaching that, that Judas heard. You know, when he heard about uh, Jesus there in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, teaching about the love of money and how it can draw you away. Did Judas, uh, Jesus knowing all things and his omniscience, uh, was it a special appeal to Judas, perhaps? I don't know. Luke chapter 13, verses 13 to 21, where Jesus talked about the idea of, of greed and the way it can take hold upon a man's life. Uh, again, I had to think, what was Judas thinking when Jesus was talking about that? Luke chapter 6, verses 1 through 13, the, unjust, the, the parable of the unjust steward. Uh, and even at the very end here, as we come through, as we read through the, uh, the account here at the end of Jesus' ministry, observing the, past of the Passover, uh, looking at the verses that I read there in verses 17, uh, was Jesus making one last appeal there in Mark 14? And the evening was come with the twelve, Judas evidently being there, it says the twelve. They sat and did eat. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, one of you which eateth with me shall betray me. You know, it seems like Jesus was making one last appeal. These were Judas' decisions and choices. Uh, some people would like to have us believe that Judas was, uh, you know, those choices were outside of his realm, but I don't believe that. I believe Judas's choices and decisions were a combination of making decisions beforehand that led up to this. Uh, God, certainly, God certainly could have worked out a different way for the life of Jesus to be sacrificed sacrificed if Judas had not yielded himself as a vessel of Satan. And Jesus actually very clearly, very pointedly says that, identifies Judas as that, as that way. Well, as we think about the, the price of the call, if you hear that call, we need to answer that call. We need to give our lives. That's part of it. But we need to give more than that. We need to give our all. When you answer the call, give your all. And it means giving our heart as well to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, the third thing I like to look at is that as I look at the life of, of Judas and his lack of give, allowing Jesus to be Lord of his life, I think, what was, 
what was really the motive for Judas following Jesus? Okay, Three years in his earthly ministry, here was Judas tagging along. And seemingly uh, somewhat in obscurity. Was it wealth? Was it position? Was it recognition? Uh, there's some verses in Luke chapter 18 I was going to uh, read um, in regards to the idea of following um, Luke chapter 18. Jesus was talking to the... You know, Ju- Judas here wasn't the only one that didn't get it, get it all straight right away. The other disciples sometimes had things twisted around too. And uh, this scripture here in Luke 18 brings this out. Breaking in at verse 18, this is the account where a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? Not as good, say one that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear a false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, All these have I kept from my youth up. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing, sell all that thou hast, and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, and follow me. What do you think, Jesus, what do you think Judas was thinking when Jesus was saying those words? Verse 23, And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful. Did, G, did Judas's expression mirror this rich young man's expression as well? When he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. I don't know if Judas was very rich, but we do know that he was uh, he, he, he was he was he was he was uh, lusting after the, the coins of purse that he was entrusted with. And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, "How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God." And they that heard it said, "Who then can be saved?" And he said, "These things which are." And he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. And Peter's, now notice this, this is Peter talking, verse 28. Then Peter said, Lo, we have left all and followed thee. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come life everlasting. And he took unto him the twelve. Notice, he took unto them the twelve. So Judas was probably there, I believe. And said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked and spitefully, and entreated and spit on. And they shall scourge him and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. And they understood none of these things, and this saying was hid from them, neither knew they the things which were spoken. So Judas wasn't the only one that had some misconceived ideas. But I like to think that perhaps Judas was... There were ulterior motives in Judas following Jesus. Some of the uh, historians suggest that he may have been somewhat of a, from a rebel background, perhaps a seal out of some sort, uh, having a, 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 a real deep hatred for the Romans, uh, who the Jews were subservient to at that time. That may be true, I don't know. But uh, it seems that Judas's focus and goal was primarily, uh, you know, what can I get out of it? And he wanted it now. And the other disciples didn't have it exactly all straight either. Well, the price that Judas calculated out, he gave three years of following Christ, yet, in spite of that, he never transitioned his values over to Christ's spiritual values. Those things that really, really mattered in the end. And Jesus there, as he talked with his, the twelve disciples there in, in the uh, Luke account there, he, he clearly told them, he said, that you, know, you will have your reward sometime. Uh, it may not be in this life, but in the life to come, life everlasting. 
That's something that we want to get a hold of. We may have to give up some of the pleasures of this life. We will have to give up some of the pleasures of this life if we are going to follow Christ. Christ calls us to that. Jesus calls us to that. The carnal worldliness, the carnal, let me slow down. The carnal worldliness in, the, in his heart was never yielded over to the embrace of the spiritual values in the kingdom that Jesus taught and wanted so much for his disciples to grasp. Perhaps if you could have talked with Judas, you would have sensed the disappointment of the three wasted years that he lost in following Jesus. The disappointment led to a hatred mixed with greed and selfishness and then ultimately resulting in the betrayal of his master uh, and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus, one other time, he said, he questioned the multitudes. He said, are they following for the loaves and the fishes? Or are we following because we need to be led? Again, we need to be calculate out the price. The price of however long. There's no, no amount of time. There's nothing. The New Testament epistles tell us that. There's nothing in this world can be compared to what we have to gain by following Christ in this life to come. Well, his worship... Judas's worship was empty, it was selfish, it was hypocritical. And I'd like to contrast it with, uh, we have it recorded there in our Mark account where I read. I'd like to turn back to, uh, to John's account because it, it gives a little more uh, detail on it there. In John chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. John 12. This is the same setting recorded by John. And then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary, now there identifies her, took a, point, a pound of ointment of spikered, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot. Now there it identifies Judas as, specific, as specifically the one who raised the questions. Now the other disciples, some, you know, seems like according to the other Gospels, maybe echoed some of that same sentiment too. I don't know. But here he clearly identifies him as Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? So that was, actually, that was probably actually the worth of that perfume. I bought some expensive perfume for my wife, but I never spent a year's. 300 pence back in that time would have been a year's wages. And uh, I don't probably anticipate I will ever spend a year's wages for perfume because I think that would probably be boarding on poor stewardship. Uh, maybe you disagree with me, but, uh, and that's fine. But not that I don't think she wouldn't be worth it, but uh, I don't think she'd be happy with it either because <laughs> her value systems are very close to the same as mine. But... Uh, Judas here said that it could have been given to the poor. Now notice verse 6. This he said. This is John looking back, I believe, inspired by the Spirit of God in retrospect. Verse 6. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had to bag and bear what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my bearing hath she kept this for the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that for reason of him many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. So there was some other interest, uh, not only loaves and fishes, but they were interested in seeing some of the miracles that Jesus had done too. Lazarus there, who had passed away, sitting up, eating and drinking, very much alive. This is something noteworthy. Well, 
we're talking about worship, this, uh, the worship aspect of Judas. Judas cared more for the purse than he did the poor. When it comes to worship, there's, there's no limit. And we see that in the expression of Mary, who, who broke this pot of ointment. There was, she broke it. It was gone. She wasn't very gingerly just giving a little bit. It evidently was very smelly, smelled up the whole house. Uh, you know, she broke it all for the love of her master. Uh, I believe that's a, you know, to compare the worship of, of Mary to Judas. And uh, to think that contrast. Here was Judas selling his master for 30 pieces of silver, which was the price of a slave at that time, I'm told, a harrowing slave. And here was Mary in her commitment and her devotion to her Lord and Master, giving everything. We need to worship God in spirit and in truth. Remember that the definition of denial declares not to be true, okay? Rejection, refuse. Judas failed in his worship of Jesus and God. It was his will. Things weren't working out the way he thought they should. So it was his agenda, his plan, his will against Jesus' plan and purpose. You know, Jesus, after that, in the very end, he said, I, I need to go. There's a plan, there's a purpose for me coming. And he tried, and since they, they didn't understand that. They, didn't, they couldn't take it in. I'm not, I'm not faulting them for that, but... The failure comes when we fail to yield ourselves uh, to the truth, even if we don't understand it. You know, Paul was the same way. If you want to look at some other effective leaders in the, in the, in the early church, Paul was the same way. He thought he was, he was doing the will of God. He said he's persecuting them that are in the way. And uh, after he, he was converted on the Damascus way, uh, he very clearly... I should just turn to that, Acts 22... Uh, I like the way Paul puts it. Men and brethren, fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. And when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept a more silence. And he saith, I am verily a man, which am a Jew, born in Tarshish, a city of Sicily, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God as ye all are this day. And I persecuted this way unto the, unto the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest doth bear me witness in all the, all the estate of the elders, from whom also I received letters unto the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring them which were there bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. And it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus, about noon suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? Notice that. And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid. But they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise and go to Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all the things which are appointed for thee to do. And I'll stop there. But I believe the same opportunity was there for Ju uh, would have been there for Judas had he asked the same questions that Paul asked. You know, Paul asked those questions clearly. He said, uh, uh, What shall I do, Lord? And uh, if, he, if Judas would have had a yieldedness in his worship of, of Jesus Christ... Paul yielded his will to God's will. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Be not conformed to this world, 
Um, and be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's how we know the will of God, by being not conformed to this world. Uh, it's, said that, it's been said that men go wrong, when men go wrong, it takes place in, in worship first. Now you might question that. Uh, you know, worship is, is so much more than our external worship experience here today. It's a part of it, a very important part of it. But worship is a 724 thing. Uh, as we go about our work and activity, how God-conscious are we? How God-conscious am I? Uh, worship is, is a heart experience. And uh, you know it, 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 it affects my whole outlook on life. So I believe that statement is true. I'd have to conclude that that statement is true. When men go wrong... They go wrong, first of all, in their worship. And I like to think maybe that's where Judas went wrong first. Well, looking at Judas's hypocrisy, his values were more uh, how others perceived him to then how his Lord perceived him. And Brother Sam very adequately uh, shared last Sunday the three courts you know, are we concerned about public opinion, the court of public opinion, over how our Lord and Savior, Jesus, sees us? Well, the price Judas calculated out, he says, Do I value other opinions of me over what God, Jesus, and the Bible and the truth tell me? That's a question I believe we need to answer. Um, turning to, as we think about that aspect of the idea of hypocrisy, I'd like to go to John 13. And that's our uh, traditional feet-washing scripture that we read at communion. In John 13, 1 to 30, we have Jesus instituting here at the Lord's, at the Last Supper there, the uh, feet-washing ordinance that we observe as a church. And I think it's interesting to notice that Judas uh, doesn't raise a lot of questions. Actually, Peter actually is the one that is in the forefront here as Jesus initiates this. But uh, I would believe that Judas was probably here for this feet washing. I know there could be a difference of opinion on this. Uh, but I believe he was here. If we look at the, read through the scripture and some of the comparison um, gospels, that he was probably here for the feet washing experience. And, uh, you know, Peter didn't get it either, but he was willing to change. And uh, we notice his response. And that's, uh, again, I had to ask myself, you know, uh, what was Judas thinking as he, as his Lord and Master stooped in humble service and washed his feet? Uh, Jesus, as he instituted this experience, in, uh, and I'm going to break in reading here at verse 18 after our traditional reading here in John 13. He says, I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. And he's... Jesus here is quoting prophetic scripture about his betrayal of Jude, by Judas being, uh, being betrayed by Judas. Verse 19, And now I tell you before it come that, when it is come to pass, ye may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whosoever I sent receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. 
And that's the twelve disciples there around him at that time. And he very pointedly says, One of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of these disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it, it, who it, who it should be of whom he spake. He then, lying on Jesus' breast, said unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, that thou, that thou doest and do quickly. Very dark picture here. Seems like Judas was finally completely given over to the control of Satan. Verse 28. Now, now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. For some of them thought because Judas had the bag that Jesus had said unto him, Buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or he that should give something to the, or that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went out went immediately out, and it was night. And I believe that was the darkest night there ever was in my imagination. There's Judas going away to betray his Lord and Master. And one of the reasons I think there seems to be no uh, ostracization of against Judas or no uh, suspect of him, you know, it, it seems like, uh, you know, they're, they're clueless as to who it would be. They ask, who is it? And is it I? And uh, even when Jesus spoke to Judas, you know, directly, they didn't suspect it. Oh, he's talking to him. It must be him. We don't read that in the scripture. So I, I'm, I'm guessing he was very good at his hypocrisy. He kept it covered up, kept it hidden. Therefore, verse 31, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while, I am with you. You shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, ye cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. It would seem as if Judas left here between the feet washing and the actual observance of that last supper. By, uh, you know, I don't know if you noticed that it says how that uh, Jesus was troubled in spirit. You, you see the conflicting pars together there in that same room. You know, Jesus Christ, the ultimate par and authority, and Satan, who is subservient to God, there in the presence of Judah, in the conflict that, that was there. And, uh, but the price that we need to uh, look at here is, uh, do I value the opinions of, of others over what God and the Bible and the truth tell me? And Judas very clearly was not willing to give recognition to that. Uh, we need to analyze our lives. Do I take to heart the truths of God's word as I read it, as his spirit speaks to me? Well, the sixth point that I want to look at is the kiss of betrayal. And the price that I, I see here is he traded the love and the affection and friendship of Jesus for the wickedness and the hatred and the darkness of sinful man's schemes. And uh, going back to our, our text there in Mark chapter 14, there's an interesting thing there. And I don't know, in verse 44, I don't know if you caught that when I read that. Verse 43, I'll break in there. And immediately while he yet spake cometh Judas, one of the twelve, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves. Some, some commentators put that number at perhaps 600 soldiers. Uh, I don't know if there's any, we're not really told a number here in the scripture, so I want to be careful about that. But they're saying it could have been. It says a great multitude. So 
What were they anticipating? But notice verse 44. And he that betrayed him had given them a token, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Take him and lead him away safely. What did Judas actually have in mind? I don't know if you ever noticed that or not, but Judas told them, he said, lead him away safely. Um, was he expecting, I, you know, I don't know. He might have known Peter's hot temper. <laughs> and we see a little bit of that flaring up. You know, Peter was, had that sword and, and he was ready to, to, go to you know, go to battle for Jesus and his Lord. And uh, so I don't know exactly what Judas was anticipating, but I don't think he wanted a messy scene on his hands in front of his own eyes. Very cowardly. And uh, the kiss of betrayal, he traded that love and affection and friendship of Jesus rather for the acceptance of the wickedness and the hatred of sinful man's schemes to do away with our Lord. It's interesting to notice in some of the other Gospels, actually in, in the Gospel, in, in Matthew's account in the Gospel, Jesus actually steps forward. And uh, Judas I, uh, really wouldn't have even maybe had to identify him, but he steps forward and asks, you know, whom do you seek? And uh, in that account, in, in Matthew 26, verse 50, uh, Jesus actually addresses Judas as a friend, calling him a friend, and yet he knew he was his betrayer. And that's a challenge. Well, we see... Um, the fruitility of uh, the uh, Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, where Jesus clearly taught, he said, no man can serve two masters. And uh, we see that fulfilled here in this, uh, in this uh, betrayal of Jesus by his disciple Judas. Well, in seventh, I want to conclude here, looking at his end, he traded the price that he traded. He traded his life for death. Very tragic, very sad. I had to think of the verses that we find in the epistle of James, chapter uh, 1. Familiar uh, verses. I'm going to just read them. James, chapter 1, verses 13 through uh, 27. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do we understand that this morning? Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And that's what we see in the life of, of Judas here this morning. He traded a life, the, the possibility of life eternal for death. Sixteen, do not... Air, my beloved brethren, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And Satan and Judas clearly was deceived. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto man, beholding his natural face in a glass. For he, for he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was." But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed in his deed. And if any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. 
Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. What a contrast. What a contrast from the epistle of James' account here and to what Judas' experience was. Unspotted from the world. Well, in summary, number one, a lost opportunity from, an out, from being an outsider to an insider. Insider. Number two, he heard the call. He gave his life, but not his heart. Number three, he followed, but never embraced the values of Jesus', of Jesus spiritual kingdom. Number four, his worship was of the purse rather than serving the poor. His hypocrisy, he valued the opinions of others over Jesus and the truth. Number six, his kiss of betrayal. Jesus loved. He traded his Jesus' love of friendship and affection for the hatred and sinful man's deeds of darkness. In the end, he traded his life for death. Is Judas the only one in the Scripture? Unfortunately, no. In the Scripture, we have, there are many others we could look at. And there's Judas's, I believe, today, those that are living in hypocrisy. May we examine ourselves in the light of God's Word, God's truth, and give Jesus God rightful place of Lord of our lives.